Committed, Caring, and Courageous, three C's that define Denver CASA, an organization whose members step in to be a voice for the voiceless, children who need an advocate to help navigate difficult family and legal situations. You'll hear about the special people that step up and make a huge impact from Denver CASA Executive Director Karen Silverman on this episode of Making Our World Better. Welcome to the Making Our World Better podcast, where you will find motivation and encouragement through lively conversations with inspirational people who every day are making our world a better place. Now, here's your host, Jay Clark. Welcome to the podcast. I am Jay Clark, and I am excited to welcome Karen Silverman, Executive Director of Denver CASA, which stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates an organization doing a lot of heavy lifting to help vulnerable children in difficult situations. Karen joined Denver CASA in September of 2019, and she has more than 20 years experience working in nonprofit organizations with a background in children's issues, including child welfare, early childhood education, teen prevention, and mentoring programs. From 2009 to 2014, she was the executive director of Smart Girl Inc. Prior to joining Denver CASA, she was the director of external affairs at Jewish Colorado. She is passionate about helping children get an equal start in their life, no matter their circumstances, which makes her a perfect fit for Denver CASA. She is a member of the Denver Best Practice Court Team Steering Committee and also sits on the Denver Foundation's Advisory Committee for Community Impact. Awesome. She earned her BA from the University of Colorado in International Affairs and her JD from the George Washington University School of Law. When not working, Karen enjoys spending time with her family, traveling, hiking, reading, and creating art. I can't wait to get into all this. Karen, welcome, and thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Jay. It's a great pleasure to be here. Well, let's start simple and tell me how you would describe Denver CASA to somebody that doesn't know anything about it. So at Denver CASA, we advocate for the best interests of children and families, uh, children and youth, excuse me, who have experienced abuse and neglect Mm. and find themselves with an open dependency and neglect case. And so we train volunteers to be advocates for those children. We put them through a rigorous training and then they advocate on their behalf and they become actually sworn into the court. They become officers of the court and they must report back to the judicial officers about what is happening with the child and on the case and how the family's doing. Wow, that's awesome. So you guys are just Denver, and I shouldn't say just, I mean, that's a giant, you have to be the biggest of all the CASAs, but there's more CASAs all over Colorado. Is that correct? That is correct. We are just in the city and county of Denver. There are 18 CASA programs throughout Colorado, currently serving 18 of the 22 judicial districts. Um, There's a few spots we don't have CASA programs in. Um, And we are, in fact, not the largest. Really? Yes, the original CASA, the first CASA program in Colorado was in Colorado Springs, and I believe they're the largest. Well, even still, you think of the legal system in Denver and it's ginormous. I mean, how large is a, is a caseload? So every, well, I'll give you 2022 statistics. Um, DHS had 1160 open dependency and neglect cases. So these are situations where they actually felt they needed to open a case 
um, officially. Now they're also helping people without officially opening cases too. So they're helping more families than that. Um, so in 2022, we served 442 children wow. with 294 volunteers. Wow. So for, for our volunteers, they only take one case at a time usually. Some mm-hmm. very special volunteers might take two, but yeah. they usually only have one case. Whereas uh, the county workers, the social workers, the attorneys all have huge caseloads and they're very busy people, which is why a CASA volunteer can be very helpful to them and to the child, of course. Awesome. So you got your you and your volunteers are stepping into really tough, traumatic situations. So when are the CASAs stepping in, you know, to be the voice of the children and and you know, step in and, and speak for them in the legal system. Mm-hmm. So what happens is when these cases are opened, we look at those cases and we talk to the county workers and the attorneys on them. And we, as a, as a team, we try to determine if a CASA would be helpful. Sometimes you've got a case where the, the county worker knows, okay, this uh, the child's uh, only been with mom, and unfortunately, she's passed away. But grandma's in Texas. We know the child's. We're going to get the child to Texas in a month, couple weeks, whatever it is. So we don't worry about assigning a casa to a case like that. Yeah. But when it is helpful to have a casa, um, when children do need support, we do provide. Uh, we try to assign someone who we think would be appropriate and helpful, and. Our volunteers have to commit to 18 months because wow. average, yeah, the average length of a case is 18 months. Now it could go shorter, wow. and it could go on for years. Right, if that's 18 months them, is average. Right, most of them close within 18 months, and that's because you're trying to give the parents and the family time to get their. Uh, children back home to do the things they need to do. In the case um, I gave you, where if you know if the parents die, that's a different situation. Right. But if you've got parents who are working on addiction issues that need to find stable housing, doing those things, you want to give them enough time to do that and enough support to do that, so children can go back home. Because we know that removing a child from the home is one of the most traumatic things we can do, right. and that should be really. Be- be a last resort when things aren't safe there. Yeah. And I would also think that a big role of what the CASA can do is, um, you know, bring that stability because the uncertainty of what's, you know, what's going to happen has got to be a super traumatic thing for a kid, right? Exactly. So our CASA volunteers, one of the main roles is being a supportive, caring and stable and consistent person in their life. Depending on the age of the child, they're going to do different things with the child, and they're also going to explain what's going on to the level of understanding. So if you've got an older youth who really knows what's going on, the relationship looks different than taking a two-year-old to the park to play, right? Um, And depending on the age of the youth, we're also helping the youth find their own voice and speak out for themselves as well. Yeah. And, you know, you guys are are dealing with super complex, hard issues. I mean, how difficult is it to understand? And I'm sure this is part of the training, but understand where the, the kid is at as far as their mentality and, you know, 
just being present for them and, and meeting them where they're at. So we just, I'll touch on the training part first. Sure. Our, um, our volunteers go through a minimum of 30 hours of training before they wow. can be assigned to a case. So we take training very seriously. And then after that, they have to attend 12 hours of training throughout the year, sort of like, um, you know, ongoing education. Wow. And one of the things we do for those ongoing hours is we'll um, do training on special issues. So if you go through the training and then you have an older youth, you might take another training that talks more about teen development and the teen brain and how it works, things like that. Yeah. Um, throughout this whole thing, when after you're assigned to a case, you're not alone. You're not just doing this on your own. You're, you have a supervisor, um, and that supervisor is a staff member or a very, very experienced volunteer who can help you with those issues. So if you don't know what to do or you need advice, you don't understand something, you have somebody you can talk to about that. And some of these cases, like you said, they can be very challenging, very tricky, and it's not always easy to understand. But one of the things that we find is just showing up consistently is half the battle, right? Like right. being there, even if you don't, even if you can't say, I understand what it's like to be in your shoes, you can still be there and you can still listen. You may not solve all the problems, but you're there to be a listener and then to help find solutions. So if it is really complicated and you find a child's got some really serious emotional distress going on, you're going to recommend to the court that they get a therapist. If they're struggling in school beyond what seems normal, you're going to recommend some kind of evaluation so we can find out if the child has any learning disabilities. All of those things you can have an impact on. You don't have to solve the problem. You're kind of sometimes you're just being the one who's flagging the problem and saying, right. Yeah, right. I'll give you a good you, example. You're advocating like like the title yeah. says. I mean, exactly. You're advocating. Right. So here's a, a great example. We had a really complicated case. There was so much going on in this case. The girl was a teen. She had braces. She was 14 years old and she had had them on for a year without them being adjusted. And oh, she geez. was in a lot of pain. She was in so much pain and nobody was listening because there were these bigger, right. more important details in terms of, you know, the attorneys and the caseworkers and the uh, CASA volunteer went into court and said, she has got to get her braces adjusted. Like, we just have to do that now. And um, they did it. And she was pain free. Right. Like they took care of her teeth. Wow. And, you know, it's not that nobody else cared. It's just that there's so much happening. So much right? happening. Nobody else could do it. Right. And wow. so that's a good example of something, something really simple, but made a big difference in her life because she was yeah. in constant pain. Think about how that affects oh, everything. You know, what you eat, how you perform in school, how you show up right. in different places. Right. Like, wow. so it might sound like a small deal, but it was a huge deal. Yep. That's awesome. So, you know, being a CASA, you know, this is a commitment and um, I'm sure the rewards are, are high when you when you can pull off something like that. But what are the qualities that you really look for for somebody who's interested in being a CASA? Sure. Um, 
You know, we we really look for somebody who, who, like we said, can make that commitment, that time commitment. Um, They have to be patient and flexible with both the system and the family and themselves, right? Um, And really somebody who can step outside of their own life and understand what it's like to be in another situation. A lot of times these families, it's not that they don't love their children. It's that things have like spiraled out of control, right? We have a lot of neglect cases where um, the living situation might not be great, but doesn't mean there isn't love there. It means that when the car broke down and they couldn't fix it, then they lost their job, et cetera, et cetera, Right. right? We hear about these kind of situations all the time. And so um, really somebody who can understand that and provide help. Sometimes advocacy looks like helping mom and dad out. Sure. We so you had get a case, away. Right. Right. We had a case where one of the main barriers was that uh, mom couldn't find uh, stable day- daycare. Mm. So, she could, so she was having trouble working. The CASA and the foster parents spent a lot of time helping her, especially the CASA found the daycare. The foster parents were super supportive. When the kids went back home, when mom became stable and everything was was okay again, the kids went back home and at the reunification hearing, there's a, you know, obviously it's a celebration when kids go back. Everybody was in the courtroom. There were tears all around and the foster parents and the CASAs uh, all pledged to continue to help mom to create Uh, that, that village. Right. We always talk about needing community to raise our kids. Right. I know that my husband and I couldn't have done it without all our friends and family. So this woman was a single mom without that help, but now she has community. Now she has people to call and say, Oh my God, I just need a break. Can you right. come over here and take these monsters out of the house for an hour and run them around mm-hmm. the park, right? And bring them back because we all need that. Yeah. Right? It's just part of life. Right. So, well, I love that. And I'm sure that's very common that, you know, you reach, a, you may reach a resolution in the case. But that doesn't mean things are, you know, you're still going to need that ongoing support. And I'm sure that it's very common that those relationships and things do carry forward. Yeah, they don't. It doesn't always happen that way, but sometimes it does. And it's really quite special. Right now we have uh, we have one Casa who's getting married and she is inviting grandma and grandpa who are taking oh, care of the awesome. child. They're about to adopt the child and they've become so close that the um Grandma and grandpa are going to the wedding, which is really cool. Oh, that is really cool. You know, it it is a way of creating community outside of some of the ways that we may normally think about it. Yeah. But, you know, you and your team and all the castles, every day you're dealing with heavy, tough stuff. I mean, how hard is it? you know, to not take that home and not let that affect you and, and to, to stay upbeat and, you know, keep pushing forward to, to do this advocacy work. It's gotta be difficult sometimes. It's really hard. Right. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm telling you stories about the good stuff right, right now. And yeah. there, there are stories that aren't so fun to hear. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, it's hard. We, um, we really try to make sure that our CASAs, our CASA volunteers and our staff have the support they need. Um, We try to be there for each other. 
try to help each other do health, you know, encourage each other to do healthy things. Um, sometimes it's just, you know, encouraging someone to take a walk in the middle of the day and like get out of the office, yeah. or, you know, just take a break and, and go away from here from a bit and then come back. And um, But it's not easy. It's not an easy job. And the volunteer experience is uh, very challenging, but also one of the most rewarding things you can do. We hear that back from our volunteers all the time, that as difficult it is, as it is, they find it extremely rewarding. Um, and they're always happy they've done it. And sometimes oh. after a rough case, they'll take a break before they take another case. Sure. We do have repeat costs of volunteers. Um, some people are done after one case and some people work with us for years and years. And they are very special people who can do that. No kidding. And um, I'm sure it's one of those things where, you know, you guys are not only helping the here and now, you're changing the trajectory generationally for a family. Um, which, which is, that has to be one of the really rewarding parts of it. It is. So we know um, that if a child has, this is for anybody, actually, anybody that we have, there's something called ACEs, which I don't mm -hmm. know if you've heard of before, but these are adverse childhood experiences. And we all have them. Somebody dies, parents right. get divorced, whatever it is. The more of those you have, the more likely you are to have poor health outcomes later in life and engage in riskier behavior. We also know there's something called positive childhood experiences. The more of those you have, the more resilient you are. So even if you're going through a crisis or some kind of trauma, if you have these positive experiences and you have somebody besides your parents there, a positive influence on your life, that you will do better. Because you look back and you go, oh, I know things can be fun. I know there can be positive things. I know there can be somebody out there to listen to me. So even if that person's still not in your life, you have that memory. You have those good memories of, of things being better. And that helps build resilience. So we are. We are help changing just not just the situation right at that time, but also hoping to help, you know, when you get family, when you get resources to a family, when you get help to a child, when you provide those positive experiences, those do help a child throughout their life. So just like thinking, yeah, I helped this, I helped this girl get her braces fixed. So she wasn't in pain anymore. That's going to stick with that girl forever mm -hmm. that, you know, there are people out there that will help me because that one time so you know something a small act like that really can change a whole trajectory which which is awesome so are there other um favorite success stories that you that you could share um I'm sure there's countless there are well i'll tell you quickly about another program we have so our main program deals with dependency and neglect cases we also um, work with truancy cases and we have something we called our older youth program and these are teens who are older and generally have um, their dependency neglect cases closed but they're still they, the only qualification is that they have to have been in the child welfare system at some point so Think about going from, you know, turning 18 and trying to become an adult. Those are oh tough gosh. years without family support or with little support. Right. So we have a, set up a program so that your CASA 
volunteer can become your mentor in this program if you turn 18, or if you've never been with us or not for a long time, you can still get a mentor. Um, and so we have this special program and it has incentives for these youth to work on life skills and um, they set their own goals. It's very self-paced. Oh, that's awesome. Right. Trying to figure out what they want to do. If they're interested in getting a job, the mentor focuses on that. Um, if they're interested in going to college, the mentor helps with that. Whatever the, the barriers are, they're going to work on them, whether it's learning to ride the bus or any Fantastic. number of things. Yeah, so we um, we have a process where when they come to the end of the year, they need to sit down with the manager of the program and determine if they're going to um, re-up for another year. And um, during, this is just very sweet that during one of those conversations, um, you know, they spend a lot of time kind of talking about how they've helped each other and how nice it's been. And one of them said, you know, Nobody's ever cared about me before, but I think of you as my grandma. Uh, uh, and I just thought that was so sweet that, you know, so that is again, awesome. we're building community, right? We're, we're helping people find other people in their lives that they can discuss something with, bounce ideas off of. Um, and sometimes CASA volunteers don't hear from their kids for a while, right? They might say they're going to stay in touch and then lose touch. And they no. might hear from them years down the road. And we had kind of a scary situation last December where um, one of our CASAs who doesn't volunteer with us anymore, an older, an old CASA volunteer, past CASA volunteer, uh, called and said that um, she had just heard from her former youth and she had run out of money, couldn't pay her rent and was thinking of going to Atlanta to dance and make enough money to come back. Mm. So, um, you know, dance can be a euphemism for many things. We weren't right. quite sure exactly whether this was really dancing or what, but to have right. to, you know, go to Atlanta in December to do this didn't sound like a good idea. Yeah. Um so we were able to find, uh, we were able to put the CASA volunteer in touch with different resources for housing help, um, rent assistance programs, so that she can then tell her former youth about those and um, not have to go, you wow. know, engage in some kind of behavior that might not be the healthiest thing for her to do. Um, and, you know, we know with things like sex trafficking and, mm -hmm. you know, our youth are much more vulnerable oh, to those kinds of issues um, mm -hmm. than your average youth. So, um, like you said, it doesn't. It's not. It doesn't just end with the eighteen months. It can go on for a long time. Yeah. That, um, hopefully, with positive ripples. Right. Well, and that's so great. I didn't. I you know, it's been great to learn about all this stuff outside of. I think oh. Acosta is somebody who is the voice for a kid in the legal system. And it's really so much more than that. So that's fantastic to learn. But, you know, this work is not for the faint of heart. So for you, was there kind of an aha moment or something that that really, um, you know, made it so you knew this is what you want to devote your career to? know if there was an aha moment but i have always 
I was one of those kids who had that sense of justice. I looked around as a little kid saying it's not fair. Uh, <laughs> right? I was right. that kid. Annoyed my parents so much, uh, right? Um, but I, it, and I've always loved kids. And I just feel like everybody should have um, a fair opportunity in life. And I think that's what kind of drew me to it. Um, I do have a law degree and I practiced way back when for a short period of time. Um, but I think that sense of justice comes through um, in me again and again. And when you look at my career. That's awesome. So, so <laughs> if you could say, what is a big audacious hope or dream for Denver Casa? What would that be? Well, it's hard to say it just for Denver Casa. I think what I, my big audacious dream would be that, you know, that we fulfilled our vision um, where every child and youth has a supportive person in their life and they're living in a safe and stable placement with people who love them and they have a sense of belonging. And, um, you know, I, I think that's really what we're, we're always looking for is, uh, to help build community and to have safe spaces for children and youth to thrive. Yeah. Unfortunately, like a lot of great nonprofits, best case scenario would be you'd go out of business, but sadly, oh, yeah. but sadly, um, you probably won't anytime soon. Uh, but we're really mm -hmm. fortunate that you're, that you are in business doing the work that you do. So, um, you know, as we wind down, I'll, I'll shift gears just a little bit. Um, and one of the questions I always love to ask is what's something you will read, listen to, or watch today? So I have a book on my dresser called Your Brain on Art. Uh -huh. And I have only just started it, but it's supposed to be very good. And I'm, I'm in the very beginning where they're sort of going through how your brain works. I haven't gotten to how it exactly changes <laughs> with art, what, how you see it, art and experience art. And I was not a science kid, so I'm trying to rem remember all the things about right. synapses and dendrites. And um, <laughs> yeah, but it, it's supposed have, to be very good. And, and we said that you love creating art. Do you have a favorite medium? I do a lot of collage and mixed media. Nice. Yeah, I like to make a mess, basically. <laughs> so who's been a role model for you in your career and in this work that you're doing? Um, so one of my role models is my mom. She, um, I think from the perseverance perspective, my mom dropped out of college to marry my father. Um, not surprising for back then, pretty typical thing to do. And then um, in the 70s, she decided to go back and get another, to actually get a degree. And she went to the first paralegal program at Arapahoe Community College. Wow. Yeah. And so she was a paralegal and she went back to work when a lot of moms were home. And um, I I always wanted her to be a cupcake mom. That's what I always thought. You know, those, those moms that brought yep. the cupcakes to the mm -hmm. classroom. And back then you could make them homemade. You didn't have right. to do the store-bought thing. Um, but she was working and I was very proud of her. 
Um, and I also thought her career was really cool because she was in a law office and she would come home and tell us about cases and things. So that was always really interesting. Just doing the justice thing. I always love that yeah. answer. So other than Denver Casa, is there an organization out there? I'm sure you guys partner with some, a lot of great organizations. Are there any that you'd mm -hmm. really like to, you know, note or give a shout out to that you admire the work that they're doing? Sure. I'd love to give a shout out to Elevating Connections right now. They are a really cool organization because they help siblings who have been separated in foster care oh, get wow. together for camp and for other activities. And oh, so we awesome. have youth participate in that program sometimes. They also do an older youth program where they use art to help youth express themselves. And um, so that's another great thing that they do. And we partner sounds with like, them sometimes. Sounds like somebody I need to do a podcast with. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> well, my last one is if anybody's interested in becoming a CASA, learning more about it, um, finding out what you guys do, how they can help. Um, you know, I know money equals mission. So I'm sure you always need help with, with fundraising and everything else. What's the best way for somebody to learn uh, more about you guys? Sure. So you can go to denvercasa.org and on our website, there's information about how to donate, how to volunteer. We also do for people who are thinking about volunteering, but they have a lot of questions, which we totally appreciate. Um, we do something called a CASA 101, mm. usually twice a month where somebody can come and it's just an hour long discussion about what does it mean? What does it look like? What does it take to do this? all of those kinds of things. So that's also can be very helpful for people to understand our work. That's awesome. We'll have I was also going to say, if you're interested in volunteering and you're not in Denver, then if you go to the Colorado CASA website, there is a listing there of the other 17 programs in Colorado. Oh, fantastic. I, I had a friend who did it, said it changed her life. And Karen, I'm, I could not be more impressed with the work you're doing. Keep it up. Thanks again for being here. Thanks, Jay. Really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Karen for providing leadership and hope to lift up children. This podcast was brought to you by JC Charity Services. Being a nonprofit leader is hard, and I'd love to help you thrive. You can find me at makingourworldbetter.com. To support or learn how you can become a CASA, visit denvercasa.org. Check the show notes for links, and if you enjoyed this podcast, we'd be grateful if you'd share it with a friend. Until next time, I hope you're inspired to find a way to make our world better.